taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. Morning, December 13th, General Charles Lee, Rail Thin, American general, formerly British general, the one Reed wanted as a Washington replacement, is at a tavern bordello behind enemy lines in his dressing gown, finishing paperwork and preparing to dress. His officers are listening to him. Done! See to these. He pushes aside his paper to an aide. I will soon be ready to find out what troop maneuvers Cornwallis has in motion behind our lines. Had to see to my cutie one more time. Motions of a different sort, right, General? An officer adds, all laugh. And were not the drafts tasty last night? His men agree. Soon we meet with Washington who has not done a thing. It may be time for a leadership change. Have I told you what I wrote to our General Washington, who wants us to join ranks, but is incapable of issuing a direct order? His officers wait. Something like, Lee says, I could wish you would bind me as little as possible, not from any opinion, I do assure you, of my own parts, but from a persuasion that detached generals cannot have too great latitude unless they are very incompetent indeed. No wonder Reed wants me. Lee's second officer, General Lee, never have I heard lines so well crafted that say all that you would say without saying it. They are rather brilliant. I dare say our general was filled with his swearing rage upon their receipt. Lee chuckles and his officers follow suit. They hear a commotion outside. Fired shots. Sir, the British, here? Impossible, Lee says. Colonel William Harcourt, British officer in charge of the raid sent by Cornwallis, orders his lieutenant Tarleton to seize General Lee. Tarleton orders his men to fire through the doors and windows. Lee, give yourself up, or we will burn it down around you. Lee deliberates a moment and shows forth that resistance will be futile and possibly fatal. He walks out amidst cheers at their catch of traitor General Lee. Lieutenant Tarleton points to a horse. Wait a minute, Lee says. I need my overcoat. We see Colonel Harcourt share a laugh with Tarleton and others as they ride off with a coatless Lee. Cut to interrogation scene of General Lee by General Cornwallis and other British officers present. It seems, Lee, that it is I who have bagged you, perhaps because other motions than what we British were up to interfered with your operations. Washington must not know of your self-indulgent nature, for I see your history of wide latitude still holds sway. Officers 
stifle laughter. Cornwallis looks at his men and says, Perhaps this is why you were found, Lee, at the later morning hour, not dressed. Now Cornwallis looks at Lee and speaks to his men. Gentlemen, this is the reason Lee turned traitor and joined the Americans. He had dreams of being a commander, but we were on to him. More laughter is heard as Lee turns red with it. Can I get an overcoat? Lee asks. Answer the question first, Lee. What are Washington's plans? He has no plan. He never has a plan. His men desert. As you know, you have read Joseph Reed's letter to me. Reed wants me to take over. Washington has an indecisive mind. He is not a soldier like you and I, Cornwallis. He is not a strategist or a tactician. He is indecisive. Cornwallis shakes his head at Lee and turns to his men. I fear Lee, attired in a dressing gown, describes himself. <laughs> All laugh. At this point, a new camera angle takes in the interrogation, and behind them stands General Howe, Lord Percy, Patterson, and their officer's staff in the door, newly arrived and listening. They love seeing Lee dressed as he is. We see General Howe slowly taking off his riding gloves with a detached air, looking every inch a peer of England. Cornwallis and his men have not noticed the new arrivals, but slowly, slowly, they turn as they feel General Howe's presence. Lee says, where is General Howe? How long will he make me wait? I do not have my clothes or my dog. Answer the question better, Lee. He will be here soon enough. Some of the men see the general in the doorway, but not Lee. Ah, yes, Lee says. I remember now. It is the reason why Howe has not finished this trivial rebellion business yet. He is with his little whore. I hear she is his. Howe explodes with incredible speed and force toward Lee, who notices the look on Cornwallis's face turned in the direction of the door. Lee turns to find Howe standing near to him, holding both of his gloves in his left hand. Howe backhands Lee's face hard with his right, sending Lee flying from his chair. Then Hal leans over him and pulls him up by his nightshirt that rips. Hal wants to kill him, but controls himself. The other officers were watching, but now some look away. Written on their faces is that Hal's intensity has crossed the line. Hal moves aside, and Lee feebly regains his chair. It is so quiet one could hear a pin drop. Howe says the next with his right hand crossed over his sword, partially removed from its scabbard. Mend your speech, traitor, lest I put you to the sword. Lee visibly cowers and is quite shaken. I am sorry, sir. Howe orders Cornwallis and the rest with a moderate voice to vacate while he keeps his lethal gaze on Lee. Leave us. Some do not move fast enough and he turns with his deadly gaze still in play. Leave us. The officers retreat, some of them slow pace backward as though leaving the king. Howe sits opposite Lee. Howe's anger is under control, but he looks murderous. Lee 
You are doubly criminal, both as a traitor and a deserter, politically and morally damned. Morally damned, for you know not the supreme power, our source, who is absolute and uncontrollable. Your resistance to him is rebellion. You have not fellowship, talent, or virtue. I will see you hanged. By his face, Lee believes hanging is a possibility. They sit in silence as Hal contemplates what he will do with him. Lee is nervous. How in a measured voice. What are Washington's plans? He hasn't any. He doesn't know what to do next, Lee says. On the same sinking vessel with you, Lee, only you are without honor toward your country, your king, or the supreme power that forms us all. Washington is an honorable man, a master mason. He may not have a plan, but you are a godless little man, Lee, who never picks the way of spirit over the carnal. And where there is God, there is hope for change. All that I say to you is meaningless. Water off of your family's tin roof. Patterson? Yes, sir. Howe speaks to Patterson, but keeps his deadly gaze on Lee. See to the detail to incarcerate the traitor Lee and give him a Bible. That's more than Cunningham did for Hale before his death. I will decide forthwith. What time tomorrow the gallows await him? Lieutenant, make sure Lee is under guard and key, Patterson says. Where is Cornwallis? Cornwallis and Howe's staff come back in. We suspend operations here immediately. Winter quarters in New York for my staff and men. The rest will be quartered in New Jersey. See to it. Balfour? Yes, sir. Write to Germain. Answer his last post somewhere on my desk. Tell him our plan. Sign it too. Dismissed. Scene 89, New York. Officers card game early afternoon. They are five cards deep into a game of seven card stud. Balfour is fingering chips, contemplating a bet and eyeing the apparent advantage of Patterson's and Howe's displayed cards. Patterson has a pair of aces showing. Howe has two sevens. Mackenzie said, Why did Lee switch sides, General? Patterson responds, He wanted to be at the top of the American heap. Knew it would not happen in England, Gray says. Howe listening and paying attention to Balfour's game thought. No, not in England, Howe says. He is not a moral man, Balfour adds. Who can trust him? He has no source, no indissoluble bond. True, he does not love God, Patterson said. Suddenly, Hal changes with intention. He is no longer in two places, and Balfour misses it. Well said, Balfour, but do you right now? Balfour makes eye contact with Hal and then pushes in a tall stack of chips. I was all in, Patterson says, but now I'm out. Patterson? Wisdom passes between Howe and Patterson. Balfour says, you thought you felt your idea confirmed in me. I did, Howe says, I'll double it. 
Hal smiles and pushes over two stacks. I call you, Balfour. Balfour folds, flipping over his cards and gets up. I don't know why I play if you are at the table. One must ever brilliantly conceal thought. Balfour, Hal adds, at the Murray's, you thought that level was yours. Scene 89 continues. Balfour thinks and remembers. He looks at Hal as Hal's nuanced meaning comes to him. Competitive will reddens Balfour's face as Hal takes it all in and leans back with a smile. Chuckles are heard and glasses are tilted in Hal's direction. Patterson says, Balfour, the general has kept us alive with knowing God's next. Here, here, the men say. A lieutenant walks over to Hal. Elizabeth asked me if you are still at cards. I said I would ask. Elizabeth is here? Hal looks out the window and sees E on her horse with his horse's reins in her hands. His men look out the window too. My lass has perfect timing. Excuse me, gentlemen. You are not leaving, Balfour said. How energetically intensifies, becoming a powerful center point. Toss you for it, Balfour, double or nothing. Balfour nods and they get out coins. Balfour calls heads. How tosses and Balfour loses. How is easy elegance again. The source, Balfour, the source is second sight. At first we have it and then we lose it and then we find it again. Fine lose, fine lose, until we are ever on the Y's at X. As Howe heads toward the door, Patterson lifts and tilts his glass toward his commander. Howe feels it without looking and raises his glass aloft. Then he sets it down on a table by the door. Patterson nods. In the background, we hear, shit. Mackenzie to Patterson on the sly. Resurrection comes with a price. Patterson wisely nods. Gotta know when to fold. Camera cut. Outside, Hal greets Eve. Are you expected back? Hal smiles. I am their commander. Come on, it's snowing. Hal mounts up and they walk their horses into the weather. The fog hides them and E gets off her horse and they walk in the snow hand in hand. E bends down and makes a snowball and hits him with it and runs away with instant delight. Elizabeth, I'm going to get you. You are too slow for your lass after your glass. He runs off giggling. Hal nails her with his ball and then gives chase. Soon he catches her and they fall into the snow laughing. He carefully turns her around and they kiss and then become the stillness as they listen to the sweep of misting breeze through the pine trees above them. William, your commander wolf? Yes. It comes to me, your love of poetry began that night in the dark. It was Wolf's voice filled with Hal's face moves in agreement. His character was that of a soldier and a gentleman, E. His attendance upon duty, honor, and the rules of good breeding were second to none. 
in spite of his fiery temperament, except my brother. He is you, my love. Oh, to have known him and to have been there, to feel all that he was. He is moved and then remembers. Your brother George? Yes. When my brother passed, it was terrible, even now. I could not eat or speak for days. Wolf understood. His loss stays with me. My card playing thereafter increased. Hal turns and looks at Elizabeth, who is greatly moved. I am so sorry, William. He was, no, they were, God's glory. Because of them, I felt my end and aim. Some soldiers walk by and stop. General? Howe gets up from the ground with grace and transforms into the general. The men salute and know not what to do. As you were, men, the officers walk on turning to each other. Howe dusts the snow from himself and E. What must they think? Howe changes back. Recently, I fought for your honor. Oh, he says, and then she smiles and knows why and looks down as she contemplates. I care not what some may think, William. I love you ever from within the purity of God, and ever will I risk my life for you, E. You are my life, oh, you. I would take a bullet for you. He starts to tear and turns and runs to the horses, and Hal follows her and grabs her. I do not deserve such a one as you. What have I done? The situation I have placed you in makes you ever answerable for my conduct. He shakes his head. I have exposed you to their unfettered temptation. Hal fights back strong emotion. He changes the topic as soldiers come into view. William, it is so lovely and colder now. Ride behind me, E. E joyously laughs. Better than your silly old card game. Did you win? Would I be here? Yes. And you always win if I am not at the table, for I, like you, feel all that is there. Hal's look is one of, see what you have done? He giggles with, Nothing more than feeling, he murmurs the rest. Love's feel is wisdom on the fly, Hal adds. Hal looks at her with, soon, he nods, as she wraps her arms around him and buries her face into his coat, and then she turns with a thought. This is something I must do. Her face sets with determination. William, I have to tell you something about what you were saying. Hal's face shows he is already tackling the problem. Percy? Yes. I have wanted to tell you, but he is one of your best officers and a trusted friend. And William, I should not really be here. Hal stops the horse, dismounts, and carefully takes Elizabeth off. He looks at her with great emotion. Never say that again, Elizabeth. What did he do? 
It was during the Tremont party when you were called away. I stepped outside on the veranda to see the stars. Cut to the veranda scene. We see Lord Percy approaching Elizabeth as she takes in the night sky. She hears footsteps and thinks it must be Ella. She turns as she speaks. Ella, I thought you... Lord Percy. Percy looks at her with, I want you. I am sorry to interrupt, Elizabeth, but I must tell you how I feel. Lord Percy? Elizabeth, I... He moves closer. Without waiting to hear him out, Elizabeth seizes control of the situation from her soul's center. Lord Percy, my soul is God's and the general's. God's? Percy's face shows he was not expecting that. His breath escapes him as E stands before him, imbued with divine power and presence. He steps back. Percy says, I know not what to say. I must go in now, Elizabeth says. She turns and Percy steps closer. His face has changed into boyish love. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Please listen to me. Elizabeth turns to him with full weight. Why do you do this, Percy, to your heroic commander when you have within you what you search for? Elizabeth, I... Hugh... You are a master mason. It is time to go beyond object. We hear Ella calling. Elizabeth, where are you? Elizabeth wears a confident look. Ella, I am here. Ella joins them. Lord Percy came to retrieve me as well. Ella looks, and they show nothing. Elizabeth takes Ella's arm. You are correct, Ella. When one is at a party, one should mingle. They walk away, and then Ella whispers, E, I saw you go out, and he followed. I wasn't sure of his intentions. Oh, E, cut back to Hal. Hal masks his anger and shakes his head as Elizabeth wonders what's next. Percy did that? What a brazen affront. I am so sorry, Elizabeth. He holds her, but he is seething and moves apart. E wears a worried look. I want to, but he is my friend who has grievously erred against our love and his commander. I can no longer trust him. I will transfer him. No, the timing, not now, soon. Elizabeth, let us ride separately. I will see you home, and then I must. Elizabeth's face shows that she is afraid that Hal may want to duel because she felt monstrous emotion taking control of him as his face darkened. Forgive me for telling you, William. E hugs him and bursts into tears. Forgive you? You have done nothing. I love you too much. Promise me you will not call him out. He erred in thought only. Please settle this in another way, how tightens. Elizabeth says, may I beg you to stand aside? How does not budge. William, he transgressed and then he was sorry. I felt it. The instant she said that, a receptive breathing space opened in how, from anger to cold dislike. Elizabeth feels her chance and takes control. 
Promise me. For the love of God, William, promise me. I promise. He hugs her and his anger lessens. You have my word. Scene 90. General Howe advances casually through a crowd of officers with drinks at HQ, making his way good-naturedly and nodding to his left and his right. Patterson sees him come in and is about to go up to him and then decides against it because he knows his commander is looking for someone, for Percy. Suddenly, there is a stir in the room and some of the officers press around Officer Balfour, who is telling a story. (laughs) Balfour says, There was Howe and Percy in the middle of the shot, arguing over the age of Percy's horse. Howe knew it was older, and he said something like, Percy, what absurd nonsense. Percy insists, and they wager a sovereign. Cut to Howe, who, undetected by Balfour's group, notices Percy alone at the bar at the end of the room and heads that way with casual intention. Cut to Balfour. And then cannon shot hits Percy's horse, killing her. Mackenzie says, yes, I was there. It was utterly barbarous. Balfour and all agree, Mackenzie laughing. Yet now I can relish the sport in it. Indeed, Kenzie, Balfour says, and in the middle of the continuing shot, without vexation, our general walks over, counts the teeth, and wins the bet. Concern for the horse has given way to uproarious laughter and admiration for their fearless and outrageously competitive general. Balfour's still laughing. Patterson, You seem not amused. Mackenzie and Balfour look intently at Patterson. Mackenzie says, picking up something secondhand. Gray says, how droll. Poor Percy. Cut to how. How wears the look of a matter-of-fact man, but that begins to change as angry unease seeps in the closer he gets to Percy, whose back is toward him. Percy, you're with me. Percy was about to take a sip, but then slowly puts down his glass and follows Hal, who has turned and now walks down a corridor to the first open door. They go in. Cut back. An officer questions the validity of Balfour's story. Don't take my word, ask Percy. Mackenzie shifts his head toward the corridor. Don't want to cross him. Cut to Hal. Howe's face becomes tense and his hand slightly clenches. You crossed the line, Percy, and I gave you a chance. And now? Howe moves towards him and stops. Percy backs up and offers nothing and has downcast eyes. Howe stares at him as retaliatory actions phase across his face. His eyes are clear and resolute. Percy, brethren officers have indissoluble bonds, and at this time we have unity of purpose in God's sacred cause. Percy, our cause is greater than this. You are one of England's best generals. Commander, I am prepared to resign. Resign? Since that night I have tried to right my mind. Howe's face becomes less severe because he feels Percy's emotional struggle and straight away against his will, he experiences compassion for his subordinate. 
Hal says, when I first heard, my initial reaction was severe. Even now, use your God-given will, Percy, and keep your distance. If your will fails and unabated thought continues, ask for a transfer. Hal looks at Percy with full force. Know this, Percy, time has run out. Yes, General, I am terribly sorry. I know that is not enough. I do not deserve your understanding. Hal's face shows nothing. Dismissed. Percy leads. Hal pours himself a glass in the wake of looming, unresolved emotion. Camera cut outside the door. Percy is walking away, and then he hears Hal's glass shatter against the wall. He slows a moment, frowning, and senses Patterson's concerned interest. Percy looks uncomfortably away without eye contact as he walks toward the door through the silent stares of his brethren. Mackenzie, under his breath, to Patterson and Balfour, hanging by a knife's edge.